It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to Wake Up Minnesota on MinnesotaSportsFan.com. Here's your host, Stephen Strong. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Wake Up Minnesota on MinnesotaSportsFan.com. I am Stephen Strom. Welcome in here on a Monday morning, August 3rd. Lot to get into. Let me first introduce myself, but you're probably like, who the heck is this guy that's on the microphone right now? Who's on the network? My name is Steven Strom. I've been with TalkNorth.com for two and a half years. I host a podcast for Jim Suhan on the network. I also do color commentary for the Princeton University men's basketball team, and I am a board operator at SiriusXM in New York. When Eric approached me about doing a morning show three days a week, I was all in. I wanted to do this. I think it's a great opportunity to connect with you guys because I am, as I introduced myself, I am from New York. My, my family is from Minnesota. I've grown up a Minnesota sports fan my entire life. Yes, I went to elementary school with the Marion Gabrick jersey. Yes, people looked at me like I was crazy. I went home. I ran home. I said, Dad, what is this? Why am I the only one wearing a wild jersey? Why am I the only one wearing a Michael Kadire jersey? And he sat me down. He said, son, we're Minnesota fans. And that's my story. I am a diehard just like you. I've been with this team, with this franchise, with this state my entire life. I'm 22 years old. But yes, welcome in here to the first ever Wake Up Minnesota. So back to the podcast. When Eric approached me about doing this morning show, I was all in. I love this this website. I I love the product. And I love being able to connect with Minnesota's fans because that's what I am. Okay? I'm a disgruntled, frustrated, and loyal Minnesota fan just like you. I've been through it with you. I may not be in the same state with you, but I have been through it with you. Now you can go through it with me. Every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday for that first sip of coffee or that morning commute. We're going to have fun on here. We're going to win together just like we won this weekend with the Twins and Wild. And we're going to lose together. And you know damn well we're going to lose together. We've been through it. 2009 NFC Championship, Blair Walsh. I can go on and on. I'm only 22. I'm going to give you great takes. I'm going to tell you things that you may have not known before and stats that hopefully will make you think twice about. But this plan on this show is we're going to have fun, I'm going to relate to you, I'm going to give you as best insight as I can, I'm going to give you it as a fan's perspective, I'm going to give you it as an analyst perspective, entertain, inform, whatever you guys want, but I'm so glad to be here and be here with you guys, because I am one of you, I am the regular guy that sits on their couch and watches Vikings, Timberwolves, Twins, Gophers, everything, now here's how the format's going to go, We're going to do something like this, like a monologue, and then we're going to jump into the Wake Up Minnesota morning update, the things that you may have missed. Maybe you fell asleep last night watching the Canucks game. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'll tell you what happened. Maybe you didn't watch the Twins game. You were at a family cookout. The wife was bothering you. The girlfriend wanted you to go, you know, pick flowers, whatever it may be. The update is here to provide you to be the smartest dude in the office the next day. So we're going to do monologue. We're going to do the update, and then we're going to do a segment called Chronicles from the Sofa. Yes. We all probably sat on a couch yesterday and watched the games. The Chronicles of the Sofa is basically me telling you what I saw 
my thoughts, my reactions, and we'll get into that with the Minnesota Twins stealing three out of four. And last night, the Wild shutting out the Vancouver Canucks 3-0. Alex Daylock with a shutout. Kevin Fiala and Jared Spurgeon stealing the show. But first, are you ready to be the smartest dude in the office? Here's your first Wake Up Minnesota Sports Update. Minnesota sports fans, here's what you may have missed. All right, after 148 days without legit wild hockey, Minnesota upended the Vancouver Canucks 3-0 in Game 1 of their qualifying round series. Alex Stalock stole the show with 28 saves and recorded his first career playoff shutout and the first wild playoff shutout since Devin Dubinick did so back on April 19th. 2017. Kevin Fiala opened up the scoring 250 into the game, and Jared Spurgeon scored twice and had one assist to lift the Wild to victory. Minnesota went two for four on the power play. They now take a 1-0 best-of-five series lead over the Canucks. Game two is set for Tuesday night. After the Twins got shut out 2-0 Thursday night by Shane Bieber and company, Minnesota responded with three straight wins on Friday, Saturday, And Sunday, outscoring Cleveland 10-2 over those three games. Yesterday, Mitch Garver hit his first home run of the season. This, courtesy of Fox Sports North. From the windup and the 3-2 pitch, a drive to left field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. There's number one for Garver. Kind of a get-off-my-back home run for the Silver Slugger. And the Twins take a 2-0 lead. Max Kepler also cracked two doubles as the Twins used their bullpen to string together a two-hitter in a 3-1 victory, taking the four-game series. Tyler Clippert started the game. Devin Smeltzer got the win, but it was a gang effort from Matt Weisler, Tyler Duffy, Trevor May, and Sergio Romo, who earned his second save of the season. Here's the pitch. He got him. Strike three. Called on a changeup. And for the first time since 2001, the Minnesota Twins begin a season 7-2. They also take a two-game lead in the AL Central. And for my sports nerds out there, take out the pen and paper. Here's your stat of the day. Right-handed pitcher Tyler Duffy has allowed zero runs in 30 of his last 31 appearances. During that span, Duffy has a 0.63 ERA with 50 strikeouts and 28 and two-thirds total innings. As for the night, the Twins continue their homestand. First pitch at 7-10 tonight versus the 2-7 Pittsburgh Pirates, who have now lost four in a row. Derek Holland goes for the Pirates as Lewis Thorpe takes the hill for the Twins. In injury news, third baseman Josh Donaldson was out for the second straight game due to tightness in his calf. And the Twins place right-handed pitcher Homer Bailey on the 10-day injured list with right bicep tendonitis and recalled Sean Poppin. As for the Vikes, according to Tom Palacero, the Vikings are finalizing a multi-year contract extension with general manager Rick Spielman. In eight years with the Vikes, Rick Spielman has helped the Vikings boast a 72-54-2 record, four playoff appearances, and two division titles. The extension comes 10 days after head coach Mike Zimmer was also extended. And according to Adam Schefter, the last day for NFL players to opt out at this point is looking like Wednesday, August 5th. We know recent Vikings free agent signee Michael Pierce made the decision not to play in 2020. Now go be the smartest dude in the office. I hope you're all caught up with the Minnesota sports update. Now let's get into Chronicles from the Sofa because we had one hell of a Sunday afternoon and night and basically Monday morning as the 
wild game get it, went into Monday morning. So let's just first start here. We'll start with the biggest news, and that's the Minnesota Wild with their 3-0 victory against the Vancouver Canucks. Look, it, you know, if you didn't get the playoff feel early on, Marcus Foligno made sure of that. I love that he comes out here, and he's already picking fights. Some things just never change. Marcus Foligno getting into fights, that's just one of them, and that's the type of energy that I think the Minnesota Wild def- desperately need. This is a why he... I think was added to this roster. So you had Marcus Foligno opening up the game with the fight. 250 into the game, you had Kevin Fiala. And if you thought Kevin Fiala cooled down at all and you thought that the restart or any type of hiatus would slow him down, this dude is a stud. I mean, if I was a Nashville executive, I tweeted this out yesterday. If you're a Nashville executive, if you're a player, if you're a, if you're a damn resident, I mean, I would be bashing my head against the wall if I had to watch Kevin Fiala and then go turn around and see Mikhail Grand. And listen, Granlin was nice for the Minnesota Wild. Kevin Fiala, younger, more skilled, more explosive, playmaker, dynamic. I mean, Kevin Fiala is all of those things and more. He has just been an absolute gem on this Minnesota Wild team, and it seems like he has not missed a absolute beat. Um, I, I just thought as an overall whole, you know, just from the start, man, just the structure of the Minnesota Wild, and they've always been like this for the longest time. Mike Yo. Bruce Boudreaux, Dean Evans, it doesn't matter. The, the mantra about the Minnesota Wild is that they've been structured. They don't take too many risks. They're really good defensively. And they all play in their within their role. And I thought that's what they did yesterday. You looked it up and down the lineup. Matt Zuccarello maybe refuses to shoot the puck, but he's making plays out there. You had everyone from Ryan Hartman, who is playing dirty and, and, and doing the dirty work and making hits and just doing everything that everyone, I thought, Going into this game, you had a job from top to bottom, from one to four in the lines. They they all played really well and within. They didn't try to do too much. I thought they did a really good job getting traffic towards the net, making things hard for Markstrom. I thought they dominated the offensive slot. Look at the way Alex Stalock played. Super aggressive. That's something that I think a lot of Wild fans were frustrated about in terms of going out and playing the puck with Devin Dubinick. It's something that Dubinick was never comfortable with. And when he did go out there, you sort of closed your eyes and thought, man, I just hope this guy doesn't make a mistake. Stalock's aggressiveness sometimes hurts him. But in this game, it really helped him. You know he's a smaller goaltender, so he's able to come out and be a little bit more aggressive. Him handling the puck is such an X factor for the Wild, and you saw that yesterday. It makes a lot easier, a lot less pressure on the the back end of things. So I thought Staylock played really well. And again, man, just everyone played within their role. And that's easier said than done, especially within a restart and you haven't played in a long time. You're being thrown into a fire in a best-of-five series against a team that I think a lot of people's minds are a lot faster, a lot skilled. That's been the thing that I've been reading. The Vancouver Canucks checked the boxes in almost every category, and it looked like yesterday the Wild checked the boxes over the Canucks in every category. They looked like the faster team. They looked like they were more mentally ready. They looked more physical. The goaltending and stay lock was unbelievable. Even Markstrom was really, I thought, a little bit um, shaky at times. I mean, you just look at this game from start to, you know, the beginning of the second period, you felt like the, the ice tilted a little bit with Vancouver. But then, you know, you just have to get through those minutes and those times where the momentum does shift. And the Wild did a really nice job of gaining it back. And even in that third period, they had a chance on the power play. And I thought to myself, this is what the killer instinct Wild need to have happen here. They need to go out and they need to score a goal here to bury this 3-0 
They didn't, but they just kept on with the pressure. And then they eventually, Jared Spurgeon gets the empty net goal. They had a really nice couple penalty kills. It really felt like a suffocating effort for the Minnesota Wild. So I got to give them a bunch of credit here, and it was a fantastic game to watch. Nothing is worse, especially for me. This was a 10.30 star for me, fellas. I mean, I'm out here. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm happy as heck going to sleep. I got the biggest smile on my face. If you stay up for these games and it's a 2-1 overtime loss, wild lose, I mean, it's hard getting up the next day. This was a huge win, not only for the Minnesota Wild, for the fan base, for I think the NHL is on notice now that, hey, this is a series. This isn't, okay, the Vancouver Canucks are going to walk and skate up and down against the Minnesota Wild. This was a tremendous effort. It's a 1-0 series lead. It's a best of five. One thing I did miss here is, obviously, the environment is completely different with no fans. You know, being and playing at the XL Energy Center in the playoffs is a different experience. I've been there a couple of times. It's going to stink. You know, I, I, I know that. I don't know if it's an advantage or disadvantage that the Wild didn't have a crowd in front of them. I know it was a Vancouver home game, technically. But it stinks. I mean, the playoff atmosphere is something that you definitely miss. Also, I do have to add this. If you're Ryan Hartman... I'm slapping upside the head of Luke Cunning the next morning because Luke Cunning grabs the, the stick of Furlan. Furlan thinks that it's Hartman. Furlan then spears Ryan Hartman in the gut or whatever, the lower area, the groin area. And Luke Cunning is getting mad. Ryan Hartman's like, what the heck did I do here? And when he looks at the replay, and I think Furlan's going to get suspended for that. If I if I am Ryan Hartman, hey, Cunning better buy me coffee and breakfast. Because I just took a shot to the gut or the groin that I had no business taking. But overall, awesome win for the Wild. They take a 1-0 series lead. 3-0, awesome game from Alex Daylock. And just the entire roster, up and down. Dean Evanson, great game plan going in. Now, let's switch to the Minnesota Twins. They respond. They are now 7-2. They continue to roll here. We are so over-exaggerate when it comes to the Twins. I mean, they lose one game. We're like, oh, same old Twins. Twins don't have this. This, They think they're going to win a World Series. Listen, Shane Bieber is a Cy Young caliber player. I mean, he is going to be in the midst of things when it's all said and done when it comes to the Cy Young award winner. He mowed down the Twins on Thursday night, shut them out, and then the next couple days, to me, it wasn't about the winning for the Minnesota Twins. It was about how they're winning. The Twins need to win games in low-scoring fashion, okay? As much as it's fun when they beat teams 12-8 and, and 15-12, to and it doesn't prep you for the playoffs. My best example I can give you, if you watch the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm switching sports on you, but if you watch the Milwaukee Bucks last year, and they dominated the regular season, and they were killing teams, by the fourth quarter with eight minutes left, Giannis and Middleton and George Hill and Brooke Lopez, they all didn't play because they didn't have to play because they were killing teams. Why does that matter? Because when they got to crunch time in the playoff games, they didn't have a set lineup. They weren't used to it. So when it comes to the Twins right now, and when they're killing teams and, and, and beating teams in the high 12s and 13s, and they're giving up 9, 10 runs, it's not helping them go to the long run. Go look at the scores last year against the Yankees. They lost 10-4. They lost uh, 8-2, 5-1. These are, these are games that you have to be able to pitch. You're not going to get to the postseason and put up the numbers that you're putting up. I just read you them. They put up four runs, two runs, and one run. Seven runs in three games against the Yankees. What wins in the playoffs in almost every single sport? 
Defense in the NFL, goaltending in the NHL, and pitching in the MLB. That's what wins games. So for me right now, and the, and the Twins, I mean, some of the stats these last series is unbelievable. They've only, they, listen, Minnesota pitchers have now allowed just four runs in their last 46 innings, and only nine runs total have crossed the plate against the Twins in the past seven games. Minnesota pitchers went 15 innings without a hit to the outfield this last series. It was also encouraging that you got offense from different areas other than Nelson Cruz. That was a huge concern, I think, going into the weekend when Nelson Cruz wasn't hitting. Nobody else was hitting. So you saw different guys like Alex Avila hit a home run this weekend. You had Max Kepler get back into a groove. Mitch Garber hit his first home run. This team is so freaking deep. One to nine on that lineup. We know what they can do offensively. It's the starting pitching that needs to show that they're going to be able to pitch at a Yankee Stadium. Even though there's not going to be a crowd, we've got to trust that Jose Barreros by inning four isn't going to have 80 pitches. We've got to trust that Kenta Mieta can continue this consistent success that he's had early on. Even Homer Bailey, I don't think he's going to be a starter, but if he can pitch halfway decent like he did last week, you can use him in the bullpen. So I think for the Twins, don't look at the wins. Look at how they are winning. The Twins, and I think for us, much rather win 6-2, 4-1, because that's what's showing and I think giving them a better idea and sense of what the postseason is going to be. Last year was a free-for-all. This team was putting up 12 runs, 13 runs. It was ridiculous, some of the over-unders that were hitting in these Twins games. They're placing them at 12 and a half half the time. That's not how you win a World Series. So don't look at what, uh, don't look at the wins that the Twins are getting. Look at how they are winning. Most importantly, that's what's going to better best bode them going into the postseason, as they take a two-game lead in the AL Central, and they've got a chance here, people, to I really think extend this lead and run away with this division. If you look at their schedule these next few days, they open up again. And they're on their homestand still. They're going to go play the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we know the Pittsburgh Pirates right now are 2-7. They've lost four in a row. They're just getting back from Chicago. But if you look at this schedule, you've got the Pirates for four. You've got the Royals for three. You've got the Brewers for three who are going through a bunch of stuff with COVID-19 players being in and out of the lineup. And then you've got the Royals for four and the Brewers for three and the Royals for three again. It's ridiculous if you look at this schedule. The Twins have a prime opportunity right now to grab the division by the throat and completely take over and sort of shoo away the Indians and the White Sox, who really, in my opinion, are not in their league right now. So these next few weeks are huge for the Minnesota Twins. Can they continue on with their starting pitching and get guys like Jose Barreros, who they're going to need in the postseason, to get back on track here, get him some confidence, and get this thing going in the right direction for the starting pitching, especially guys like Jose Barreros. Everyone else, Kenta Mieta, Homer Bailey, you had the bullpen and Randy Dobinick have a really nice outing. you got to get your number one going and in and, and Jose Barreros. And as soon as Jacob Odorizzi gets back, throwing him back into that pitching rotation. Again, this is Wake Up Minnesota. This is going to be about a 20-minute podcast. We don't want to go too long. 
Hope this was a good first one for you guys. Can't wait to be with you for the rest of the way here. Next episode drops on Wednesday morning. For Wake Up Minnesota and MinnesotaSportsFan.com, I'm Steven Strom. Again, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, Wake Up Minnesota. We are on all platforms. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at SSTROM32. Any suggestions to the show, any questions, you can be featured on the podcast. Be good, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday morning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.